Joe, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? All right, Joe. Um, let me start with with uh, Syndergaard. What, how would you handle him uh, going public and being upset about the catching situation? Yeah, it, it, it's difficult now that he's went public. Um, it puts the Mets in, in a tough situation. And, you know, there, there are times that guys have, you know, for lack of a better term, personal catchers. And, um, you know, I went through it with, with the Yankees. Labor's caught Andy Pettit all the time, and that that was my day off. You know, I caught the other four starters, and I didn't I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. I, I felt that. It Were was, you ever anybody's personal catcher? Well, I you know I, I kind of was David Cohn's for a while, but then I, you know I was gone after that. Um, so and then I became kind of Andy's, you know, for a couple of years after Jim Labor's left, and then you know, and then it, George became you know George was kind of Roger Clemens's guy, and so I mean we did it. I thought it worked well. Um, it's a situation that they definitely need to iron out. It's a situation where I think uh, Noah and Wilson both have to take responsibility for this and figure out how to make it work. But in the meantime, as a manager, you have to judge, is Noah beat before he goes out there? And if he is, I think you have to give him maybe needle for a while until you can figure this out. You know, he's had a lot of issues. He had issues with Dave Island. It's no secret. I mean, Dave wanted him to take more control of the game himself on the mound. Uh, you can speak to that. You know, Dave, well, Dave wanted him to take more control of the game on the mound, and he didn't want to do that either. I mean, he did, he wanted the catcher to call the game for him. Well, some pitchers are like that. Andy Pettit was very similar. You know, he trusted his catcher and, and knew that the catcher had, had done his work, whether it was Jim, whether it was myself, or whether it was Jorge Posada, and that – he wanted to focus on that pitch, and there, you know, there are some pitchers like that. And I think as they get older, they, they start to change. But um, you know, you have to figure out how to get the best out of everyone, and everyone's not going to be a great student of the game and not going to want to do that. So, how do you get the best out of him? You got to give someone, uh, giving to a catcher that really understands him and that he trusts. Does the catcher have to be? The bigger guy here, meaning that he has to understand that there are pitchers who are quirky and are babies and are particular, especially when they're like Greg Maddox's or Steve Carlton's, and be the bigger guy here? Or is it fair for the both of them to have to bend? No, I, I think the catcher has to be the bigger guy because, it, you know, Pitchers are emotional on days they pitch. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, and you understand that. And you never, you know, I never took anything to heart the way a pitcher reacted during the course of the game. Not even as a manager, because I understand that they're emotional and they really care and they're out there. So I think as a catcher, it's your job to, to nuzzle up to the pitcher and figure out what you need to do to get him to trust you. Now, he's blaming his lack, you know, the fact that he gets stolen. You know, they steal bases on him all the time. But let's be honest. He could do a better job with, with yeah. holding runners on. He could do a better job with his slide step. He doesn't hold runners on at all. How does he expect catchers to throw guys out? If he, if, and he doesn't, no catchers throw guys out when he's on the mound. No, it, you know, he has not had a lot of success because he is slow. So I think it's behind, you know, it's on them to, to adjust that too. You know, I think... As a pitcher, you have to always be changing it and trying to get better and figure out a way to, to, to speed him up to where, yeah, you know what, the really good base stealers are going to steal off me, but the average guys aren't. I mean, that's, that's all you want from him. 
he has the ability to overpower people and strike people out. So a couple guys steal base, that's not a big deal. But when you're giving up four and five during the course of the game, I think it starts to get into their head and it affects their stuff that day. So that's something that I think, you know, is they have to improve uh, with Noah that he can, you know, he keeps the average guy from stealing. But let's be honest here. Part of this is that Ramos, who has hit 400 in the last, like, 40 games. I mean, the guy's been on fire. So they need his bat. I remember when Piazza was there, there were pitches grumbling about him, star pitches grumbling about him, but they couldn't do anything about it. He was Mike Piazza. He was going to be in the lineup. That's all there was to it. Right. And and the Mets need Wilson Ramos' bat in the lineup. Uh, I mean, they they need to score runs, so... That's a tough situation over there right now, and now it's even tougher because it, it became public, and they got to get in the room and iron it out and say, okay, what do both of us need to do to make this work? To me, that's what needs to happen. But when you see a guy with an ERA of five with one catcher and two with the other catcher, that tells me there's something wrong. I mean, there's well, clear, you know, whether it's yeah. mental or it's physical or it's that he can't get the low strike, he can't get down low enough or whatever it might be, the bottom line is that's too big a gap. It, it is a big gap, and as as a manager, you have to make a decision on what you're going to do. And I had to do it as a manager at times too. Um, and and you do what's best for your team to win that day. That's your job. So when you get a pitcher come to you, all right, and he says, "Skip, I cannot throw to this guy. I don't, I don't care if he's your regular catcher. I cannot throw to this guy." Do you try to talk him out of it first, or do you? Uh, do you give in to his wishes quietly? No, I, I think you try to talk him out of it, and I think you start to have some give and take, saying, okay, you really so we're going to figure this out together. We're going to figure out what we need to do to where you're comfortable with this catcher. And you know what? I'm going to give you the other catcher this start, but I'm going to give you 10 days to start to work on this, and we're going to start to work on this. And if he needs to catch your bullpen, he's going to catch your bullpen. It, it, it's it's you have to figure out how to get them on the same page. You know, Diaz has now been almost record-breakingly bad for a guy who last year dominated the the league. He has gone in the National League. He's given up about as many ninth-inning home runs as any closer in recent memory. I mean, it's it's become historic how many home runs he's given up. Um, I would think, Joe, this would be me. I would think... I can't go into the season next year with this guy as my closer, no matter what, in this town. Maybe he, as a young man, he can, and he's got good stuff, he can be reclamated somewhere else. I think he's shot, shot here. Do you think that's a fair approach, or do you think that he can be fixed? Uh, no, I, I think you can definitely resuscitate him. I, I do, but I even, don't Even know. after this craziness? I mean, he's been absolutely destroyed. Right. right. I, I don't know if he starts off as your closer, though, the next year. You know, you try to get him back on track using him in the seventh, the eighth, and, and taking him out of some of those really, really difficult positions and see if you could get him back on track. I mean, they have other guys that can close games. Um, you know, and I know he, he takes he takes a lot of heat for, you know, the, the Mets not being, you know, maybe 10 games better than what they are. But there's been some other guys down there that have struggles. And it's, oh, they've it's all not, been bad. I'm not just yeah. saying him, but he's the yeah. closer, and he has gotten killed as the closer. Yeah. Absolutely killed. I, I think you have to try to resuscitate him out of the ninth inning, not in the ninth inning. I would also make Lugo a starter because he's not durable enough 
to be consistent out of the pen in my mind. I, I would think that with that kind of talent, he'd be a better starter than a reliever. You think he's a reliever or you think he's a starter? Well, I think his stuff has, uh, has kicked up because he has been in the bullpen. And he has started, and he's thrown some pretty good games. I'm not so sure you don't make him a closer and, 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 and somehow try to prepare him to say, hey, look. But he's not durable. Never, he's not durable. But we're never going to throw you more than two days in a row. This is what we're going to. He threw two days in a row the other day and threw pretty right. darn good, right. right? So we're never going to throw you more than two days in a row. Let's try to do that and see if you can pitch him in the ninth inning, and possibly and get Lugo back on track, and then maybe you can flip flop it eventually. Okay, so you would keep him in the pen rather than make him a starter. With with the way their their rotation is constructed, and who knows what's going to happen with right. Wheeler? If Wheeler leaves, maybe you. You do. I would sign Wheeler and trade. I, I would try to Wheeler myself and trade Syndergaard. I mean, I, I'm not a big Syndergaard fan. I think it, that it's time for him to go somewhere else, and you still get a lot for him because people think he's got incredible stuff, and he does have good stuff. But I, I would, I would try to get my build my team by making a big trade for him, and then I'd sign Wheeler, and and I, I would then you know have the four guys counting Stroman, and then get another pitcher. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's another idea. Um, you know, this team is built around that rotation. And, and the biggest thing is they've got to figure out how to get everybody on the same page to get Stroman going. You know, Stroman has not been Marcus Stroman no. of, of Toronto. And, you know, maybe you sign Wheeler, like you said, and, and, and maybe you can get a couple big bullpen pieces for Syndergaard. You know, but I, I still think that there's a lot of potential there. But everyone has to pitch up to their capabilities. You know, that team's got a good core. If you look at that yes, team, they do. if you know, and I know that, you know, you could wind up being a candidate for that job if they're looking for a manager next year. That team has a very good core of young players in the lineup and starting pitchers. I mean, they they need the bullpen. They need to be a more versatile uh, lineup as far as an overall roster, be a more versatile roster, but they have a very good nucleus of young players. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, you could look at your first, second, and, and shortstop, and, and depending on how much Cano plays second. Well, what do you think? Let's stop there for a second. You know Cano well. Have you seen enough the second half of the year to say you're fine with Cano next year? Yeah, I, I think he's going to put up better numbers than he did this year. Um, you know, there's some thoughts about him making a change in position. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think you have to see what you can acquire during the off season. That fits, you know. I think an outfielder is probably really important for them, yep. and I think some bullpen pieces. But I, I don't think they're that far away from. I mean, really, if if Diaz and Familia would have pitched what we've seen in the past, they would be probably a playoff team. No I doubt mean, about it. Cano's OPS since the All Star break is over nine hundred. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I think I think he's a guy that can that can continue to do that for, for another year or two, and I know he has a lot of years left, but I mean, if he's a 900 OPS with those other guys in that lineup, in the improvements in Rosario, and what McNeil has done, Alonzo has done, and the left fielder has done, it's a pretty darn good line. And if you can keep Brandon Nimmo healthy, 
pretty darn good lineup. No, they have a good lineup. And Rosario's had a good second half. And Ramos, the, I mean, the catcher has been unbelievable. You talk about yeah. him, you know, he's hit like he's hit like 400 in the second half of the season. He's been unbelievable. He's been absolutely – if I go back over the last 40 games, the guy's hitting – the last 40 games, the guy's hitting 405. Well, what was amazing to me is he had a 23-game hitting streak, and three of those were pinch hitting to, to keep it going. I mean, that's not easy to do. So, And he's always been a really productive hitter. Um, he's had some health issues. Um, You're talking about a catcher, though, been, who's hitting 300 with 70 RBIs. That's a good year. Yeah, that's, it's hard to find that. You're going to have a hard time finding that. Yeah, I mean, he's got 400 bats. He's got 14 homers, 71 RBIs, 300 batting average. That's a, good, that's a very good season. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, I mean, and, it's, and, and I think you can – I think – you know, you can always improve as a catcher as you make adjustments and maybe catch on one knee more so you can get low pitches and, and do those sort of things and really work hard to build that relationship. I, I think one of the hardest positions to come in as a player is, is a new catcher. When pitchers are used to having a certain catcher, it's really, really difficult because they don't know you, you don't know them, and if they struggle a little bit with you, a lot of times – they're going to look at you and say, maybe we just don't click. So he has to work really hard, I think, this winter to get in those good graces with his whole staff. All right, Tampa Bay's got a game-and-a-half lead over Oakland, and uh, half, and then Oakland has a half-game lead over Cleveland. Uh, is Cleveland still the odd team out for you there? I, I think so because of their schedule. I believe they have Minnesota seven more times. Uh, when you look at Oakland, the, they have three more games against a team over 500. Um, Tampa Bay's in a pretty good spot. They have the Yankees for two. They have the Red Sox, but they've killed the Red Sox this year. They're in a pretty decent spot. Um, but it, it's hard to predict. It, it, it really is. But I think Cleveland's got the toughest road. And in the National, Cubs got a two-game lead over Milwaukee, two-and-a-half over Arizona, three over Philly, and four over the Mets. What's your thought? And Milwaukee's won four in a row. They've been the hot team. What, what's your thoughts there? Um, I think Milwaukee has a chance to catch the Cubs because they're, when you look at their schedule, it's fairly easy except the three against the Cardinals. Um, they've got most of the over 500 teams out of the, out of the way. I still don't like their pitching, and I don't know how they do it, but somehow, you know, they went through a streak where they won six of nine against the Cubs seven games and Houston two games, and they won six of nine, and they pitched well. So maybe it's coming together at the right time for them. Are the Cardinals gone? I think the Cardinals are definitely in. I still think Washington is definitely in. I think the Cardinals win the division, um, but they do have seven against the Cubs and the Cubs. I think they're seven and five against them, but the Cubs in those seven games would probably have to go five and two to have a shot. Interesting. So you, so okay. So you still you still like the Cubs, but you we're a little worried about Milwaukee now. Yes, I am. Interesting. All right. Um, Yankees, Houston, Gundy ahead. I'll give Houston the home field. Who do you think wins? Is the series just a virtual toss-up, or do you like one team over the other team in that series? I think it's a toss-up, and I think the X factor is Severino. I, I really do. Um, if he comes back and, and can pitch, give him five innings, six innings, um, even four innings of, of really good baseball in his start, I, I think I would probably 
favor of the Yankees because I like their bullpen so much. Not so much better because you look at Houston, the numbers in Houston's bullpen is better than the Yankees. However, Houston has not had to use the bullpen nearly as much as the Yankees. And, um, and if Batanzas is able to come back, I mean, that's just another huge weapon. But I think Severino could be the X factor. Um, Yankees now might not have Hicks. They won't have Talkman. Uh, that means Gaudy's going to have full-time role now in the, in, in the outfield. Uh, Stanton, they hope to have back. Um, they might have to go to even Frazier now on the roster. It's possible. Yeah. So what's going on now? So things have changed dramatically. I, and I think the thing that they and, – and I really believe that home field advantage is extremely important. Like, I really feel if the Yankees get home field advantage, they're going to win. But the one thing is you can't run Gardy and, and Judge into the ground where they get hurt. So it's, it's an interesting mix of what they have to do. And I even threw the idea out on MLB TV last night. Um, I mean, you throw your second baseman out in left field, you know, the most valuable player. Wow. Try that idea. Um, He's been so good everywhere else. Are you talking about you know? putting LeMayu in the outfield? Do, do you think about it? I mean, what if somebody else goes down? Wow. I mean, you know, I don't know if LeMayu – can he play the outfield? I, I, I don't know, but I think I might take a look at it. Just, I mean, it, it, it would be something that I would banter around to see what everyone in, in, in the front office – So your point, is, your point is as the Yankees and Houston, who are in a deadlock right now at 95 and 50, they're both in and they're both pushing hard and they're both winning games. They're clubbing eat, uh, you know, Houston's clubbing teams and won five in a row. The Yanks are playing Detroit now. Um, you're worried about Gaudy and Judge playing every day to get the best record and wearing down or getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be really strategical about that. You're playing Detroit. Um, you know, on paper, it's a huge mismatch. You just came out of four tough games in Boston. I, I would wouldn't be surprised if Gardy got a day off, Judge got a day off, that sort of thing, to make sure that they don't get run down and they stay healthy. Because in reality, you can't lose another outfielder. It's really going to be tough on you if you lose another outfielder. Because you don't know what you're going to get from Stanton. Yeah, it's it's very true. Uh, I mean, you know, we thought they were going to have too many guys, and now look what happened. You know, because it looks like Hicks is probably not going to make it back, and and now Talkman was eight weeks with the calf, so he's gone. Yeah. he's not he's not even a factor anymore. So things have changed that radically. They re- they really have. So it's going to be interesting. So. This is more. This is a more valuable home field than a normal year, is what you're saying, because of the presence of these two teams and and the way they play each other. I I definitely agree. And you know the Yankees are built for Yankee Stadium. Houston's built for, you know, their ballpark. And yep. it, it, if you, and if you Houston swept the Yankees, um, in Houston, but that was not a full Yankee team. And then the Yankees beat them, I believe, three out of four at home, and probably more more of a representation of what they're going to be, but it still wasn't the whole team. So I think this home field advantage is really important. Interesting. And, and, and you know, they both have still 17 games to play, so they each have a lot of games to play here. You know, there's still a bunch of games to play, a couple of weeks of full baseball. Yeah, and, and I think the Yankees' schedule is pretty favorable. Um, Houston's is not bad either. Houston's not with Oakland. I think they're done with 500 teams after this. 
So both schedules, and I think the West, after you get by like Tampa and Oakland, I think the West is probably a little bit tougher than the East. I, I, I think so. Um, is Trout the MVP in your mind? Um, yeah, I, I think he was, but if he doesn't play this last month, can someone overtake him? I, I, I mean, I still think LeMahieu. Problem is, LeMahieu hasn't hit lately either. He's been in yeah. a slump. You know, he's yeah, hit on the two hundred. Yeah, he has not hit lately. Trout is not playing every day, which, you, as you said, but LeMahieu has gone into a little slump here. You know, that that's been the problem for him. If he if he had a candidacy. Um, you know, he was going to have to finish really strong, and he has gone six for 29 with no extra base hits in the last week. So that was yeah. not a big week for him, you know? Yeah, I, I think Mike Trout's probably your MVP right now. Um, could it change? Yeah, but I think it'll end up being Mike Trout, and I still have no idea in, in the National League. Um, there's four or five guys that I still think could win this. Based on who wins, who wins out there? Yeah, I, I mean, if Milwaukee gets in, I think it's hard to keep Yelich out, right? And and, and that's somewhat unfair to Bellinger because right. um, Rendon, I think you have to consider. Um, I think you have to consider if Arizona gets in. I, I mean, they have a great. And candidate. if the Mets get in, how about Alonzo? Alonzo, yeah, and so I mean, I think there's a number of candidates. And it could come down to who makes the playoffs. Yeah, I think Bellinger is my likely guy. I think if I think if if Soup comes to, came to if I looked at all the different categories, he's probably had the best year in every category of all the guys. If I if I went and looked, he's forty four, one hundred five, three hundred six. I think he's. I think if you went by all the different categories, he's at the top. Um, you know. He, you know, he's at the top. I got to admit, Yelich is 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 right there with him, though, in most categories. I mean, Bellinger's got him a couple of categories by in runs scored. He's got him. He's got him in a couple of different categories. But overall, it, it is pretty tight. I think I think their offensive numbers are a toss up. I, I think where Bellinger gets the advantage is maybe his defense um, yep. and his versatility, which is might put him over the edge. I mean, you look at the stolen bases, Yelich has got the home run, the average, the RBIs. I mean, it's all good. And, and runs are kind of a byproduct sometimes of what... And Rendon's numbers are there, you. too. You know, his numbers Rendon's are... Rendon's numbers are off the charts. Yeah, 32, 32, really 32-114-337. That's a great year. I mean, he's leading the league in, in average. Um, he's close in RBIs. I mean, he's had an incredible... You look, he doesn't strike out. Um, his year has been incredible. So the National League MVP race is really interesting to me. No question. Thanks, Joe. We'll talk next week. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. All right, pleasure. Joe Girardi back after this.